May only truth be spoken here and only truth be heard in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Who here has um, gotten to see New Deal's production of Fiddler in the Roof or is planning to go soon? All right. So, and even if you haven't seen it, you're probably familiar, you've watched the movie or you, you, you've seen it. And um, I got to see the production on opening night and it's been really fun because since we're reading these stories from Genesis, I end up kind of transposing in my mind the, the folks in Genesis onto the stage. And I just imagine them having these conversations in the same way. Um, there's this comedic element that we don't want to miss in these stories about our patriarchs and matriarchs. Um, and, and the comedic element is certainly present today in our reading from Genesis, right? So three men show up at uh, Abraham and Sarah's doorstep or tent step. And Abra Abraham starts off by saying, well, I'm so glad you all are here. Let me just get you a little bread and water before you head on. And then he proceeds to go and kill two calves and roast them. And then he has his wife take the equivalent of like 21 liters of flour to make a few loaves of bread. And so by the time he's done, they've got this giant feast and everyone in the camp is running around like crazy. Once the three visitors have settled and they are all enjoying their food, they get down to business and they say, where's your wife? Abraham, and he said, oh, she's in the tent. Well, we, we have something to tell you. You, at 100 years old, are about to be a father, and your wife, Sarah, is going to have a child. Sarah is, like, behind the tent flap. She's like, oh, my, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And so she laughs to herself. Now, God, instead of talking to Sarah directly, God says, She's like, what's she laughing about? You know, is anything too wonderful for me? And Sarah's like, oh, oh, I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing. God's like, well, yes, you were. You did laugh. You did laugh. There are a lot of kinds of laughter that we can, that we can, that we can have. I'm not sure exactly which one is happening in this story, but I kind of think it might tend to be Maybe a laughter of disbelief, maybe laughter that's even a little bit cynical. You know, oh, me, at 100 years old, I'm going to have a kid. You've got to be kidding. There's other kinds of laughter, too, though, right? There's not just the kind of cynical laughter, but there's also laughter of joy, laughter of delight, laughter of surprise. We see that God kind of has the last laugh because we tag on the end of the story in, cha in chapter 21 onto our reading this morning, which is that actually what God said would happen does happen. These two, I, I, was, I, I should have researched this between services because I know there's a word, you know, like octogenarian, nonagenarian. There's a word for someone who's 100 years old and I can't remember it. And I know it's not centurion because that's a Roman soldier. <laughs> All right, so uh, centigenarian. These two centigenarians do in fact have pleasure and have a kid. And they name him Yitzhak, Isaac, which means he will laugh. And I don't know who it is that's going to laugh. Maybe it's their son. Maybe it's the two of them. 
because they are finally experiencing this laughter of delight and joy and surprise. Or maybe it's God, because God gets to have the last laugh. But they laugh, and, and this second round of laughter, where it goes from sort of cynical disbelief to joyful delight, is a laughter that reminds me of a psalm we often say in our noonday prayer in the church. Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then were we like those who dream. What happened is better than we could have believed. It's only what we could have dreamed or hoped. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. That, I think, is the kind of laughter, the second kind of laughter that comes with the birth of this child who'd been hoped for and promised. And somehow, even for these folks who are 100 years old, that promise was not too wonderful for God. There are a lot of ways that we could possibly apply this story about Abraham and Sarah and their miraculous son. Um, and maybe it's just because this happens to be my line of work, but, but I want to apply it as a metaphor for the life of the church. I, it's probably a bad idea, but I spend more time than I should on Twitter and other places looking at people commenting about the end of Christendom. And uh, I, I, look, I like to look at these charts and graphs about you know, how every denomination is experiencing declining numbers and what is increasing um, more and more every year and certainly accelerated with the pandemic is people who identify as not part of any particular religion, right? So there's a decline in people participating in sort of the religious institutions and there's more and more people who identify themselves outside. There was a time, maybe like Abraham and Sarah, where Christianity had a lot of hope for what we could do, and who we could be, and how we could fulfill God's dream. You know, there was a prime of our life when it seemed like everybody went to church and everyone was part of church. Abraham and Sarah had a dream for their child. It didn't come true until late, until 100 years. The church is in a similar place where we're now at a point where the trends have shifted so much that if we'd ever hoped that we would be part of making God's dream for this world come true, it seems like we've gone past that point, just like Abraham and Sarah, right? We've gone past the point where we could hope to be fruitful in the way we once had. And at the same time, all around us, we look out like Jesus and we see the world is like, it's like full of people who are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We feel this need to share God's dream and to be part of healing and hope as Jesus sent and commissioned his disciples. And yet, it seems that our power to do so has declined past the point where we might reasonably hope 
to bring God's dream to birth through our body. St. Paul says, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So if we were to say that looking out on this world, if we were to say the people of God, the people of this church, the people of St. James and the people of the church more widely, we are going to be part of the rebirth of hope. And we are called by God through the hope that has been placed in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We, the people of God, the church, are going to be part of the healing of the world. We might be less likely to laugh with delight than with cynicism. We might be more like Sarah behind the tent flap than like Sarah after the birth of Isaac. Our laughter, though, still has the power to be transformed. I don't know what else we do if we don't have that hope in our hearts that is there because the Holy Spirit is in our hearts through the love of God. The world is so harassed and helpless, especially for our younger people. The world, as we all have experienced in the last couple of weeks with the cloud of smoke, the world is literally on fire. Everywhere we look, and the trends are going to be that it's going to keep being that way. Climate change is forcing more and more people to migrate from their homes, as is persecution, as is war and violence, which is exacerbated by the changes in our weather patterns. My heart was broken this last week when I heard on the news about a ship of migrants in the Mediterranean that went down about a few, a little under 100 people were rescued, but hundreds of people drowned as they were trying to get to a better life. These things are going to get more intense rather than less in the years ahead. So the church has to dig deep, and we are called now to say with St. Paul, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. We need to dig deep so we don't lose that hope, so that we can answer that call and that commission from Christ to go wherever people are harassed and helpless, to bring healing, to raise the dead, 
And if that seems like something laughable, that's because it is. But God says, why do you laugh? Is anything too wonderful for God? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, even we, our mouths were again filled with laughter, the laughter of delight and our tongues with shouts of joy. Because in a world that may seem hopeless, our hearts are still filled with hope and we are still called to be part of God's dream. May it be so. Amen.